For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. What's up, buds? And as the puck drops, the words that DC fans have been waiting to hear since 1974, the Washington Capitals are the 2018 Stanley Cup champions. It's not a dream. It's not a desert barrage, it's Lord Stanley, and he is coming to Washington. Welcome back to Japers Rink Radio. I am your host, Adam Stringham, and today I'm happy to be joined by Bailey Johnson of the Washington Post. How you doing, Bailey? I'm good. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for coming on. I mean, last time we talked was back in June. Uh, you were just kind of getting started on the beat, and now you kind of got to see real ebbs and flows of Capitals hockey as they were really terrible to start the year, and I guess now they're looking a little bit better. So, kind of, what are your first thoughts on uh, on working the beat? Yeah, they're definitely starting to find a little traction. First four or five games were pretty rough. Even that Calgary game where they got the win in the shootout wasn't fantastic from a five on five play standpoint they were able to come back and tie that game up and then take it to a shootout which was promising and they've shown some of that resilience they did in Montreal as well last Saturday Um, but the last couple games they've definitely started to find their footing things are still a little up and down and they definitely played down to the Sharks level for the first couple periods Sunday but again starting to find their footing and get a little traction going here. Now what kind of stood out to me was even though they they lost kind of handedly was that that game against the Maple Leafs on October 24th I mean the the Capitals really uh you know what was the Capitals almost 20 shots I think in the first period were just completely hammering the Leafs and just uh you know couldn't buy a goal and and were not getting the timely save um and obviously the Devils game was was just absolute chaos but they've they looked like a better team in that game a team that maybe deserved to win that game what what are your kind of thoughts about what you see when you watch the Capitals play? Is there a coherent system? Like, what do you think they're trying to do on both offense and defense? And are they doing it better now than they were before? Yeah, they're definitely doing it better now than they were before. Like you said, that Toronto game, they really were kind of snake bit. They couldn't buy a goal. And then, like you said, we're not getting any saves at the other end. And that tide has started to turn. Puck's going in for them a little bit more. They're getting some saves. Darcy Kemper has been very good in his last two starts. Hunter Shepard got the win in that crazy game in New Jersey. Um, Yeah, offensively, they're really trying to play a possession-focused system. Very, very different than what they did under Laviolette, which was a lot of jump and chase and heavy forecheck. This is much more enter the zone with control maintain it they are still looking to get more pucks to the net and have more of an interior presence they've kind of gotten to the point now where they can get into the zone with control they can have the possession but they're still getting stuck on the perimeter at times and that's something they're aware of and very cognizant of and working on 
So the kind of the next step in that evolution is getting more pucks to the net, getting more traffic in front of the goaltender. You saw in the third period against San Jose, they actually started to do that. You know, they screened Blackwood on the Strom goal that he scored from the point. And then Tom Wilson scores the tying goal on a scramble or the go ahead goal on a scramble in front because they had actual bodies to the net, which was not something they had a lot of in the first couple periods. So they're still evolving and kind of figuring out how things go, but it certainly looks a lot more cohesive now than it did two weeks ago. And you're starting to see them settle into that defensively. I'm still kind of figuring out what the defensive zone structure is. It's definitely different than what they've done in the past. And Mitch Love, I know has been working with the guys on what they're doing out there. I think the biggest difference for them now defensively is that they are getting the saves that they needed to make. I don't think they were that bad defensively, maybe other than the Ottawa game where they really struggled and had a lot of breakdowns and Ottawa took advantage of them. Now the goaltending is matching up with their ability to play defense and they're getting more aligned with the results they should have been yeah i mean when you talk about kind of the transition away from peter laviolette style of, of play um the, the first kind of player that comes to my mind is evgeny kuznetsov uh a guy that definitely needed a bit of a change um you know supposedly requested to trade in the off season and now i mean what, what are your thoughts on kuznetsov is he benefiting from playing uh under a new style a new head coach Massively. I think he's one of the players. He hasn't quite gotten the results like a lot of them. He finally got his first goal Sunday and hitting the empty net. We'll see if that starts to open the floodgates for him. But I think he's been good kind of throughout. He has struggled to find his footing like a lot of them did. But I thought even over the last week or two, he's been one of their better forwards in terms of the chances he's creating and the way he's creating chemistry with his line mates. Um, he certainly really likes the possession focus style. He's a zone entry machine. He's one of their most consistent forwards in terms of being able to enter the zone with control. So the things that Spencer Carberry wants them to do play very well into Evgeny Kuznetsov's game, which also then plays very well into him being engaged and believing in the system. I think a lot of what you saw, and he has said this, um, with his struggles with Laviolette is he doesn't really believe in dump and chase as a style. So if he's not bought into what the coach is trying to do, it's just going to create a cycle that nobody's happy with where he's not engaged and he's not playing well. And he's not getting like the team's not getting what they need. And it just kind of keeps going downhill. So he's certainly on an uphill climb right now with what Carberry wants from them. Yeah, I agree. Sometimes sounds bad, but I realize I mean that in a good way. <laughs> no, I mean, I, I, I personally, um, you know, there, there's still a lot of people complaining about his, his play online, but I, I do think Kuznetsov has looked like a, a better player this year. I think it's really interesting that uh, he seems to be uh, being put on the ice in a lot of high leverage situations. Um, you know, I, I believe I've even seen him on the penalty kill a couple times this year. I, I could be could be wrong on that. My my lying eyes could be deceiving me, but it, it's good to see Kuznetsov. Um, I mean, it looks like he's 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 engaged. So, which is which has certainly a, always been a big difference for him between uh, when he's a, uh, a strong contributor and just kind of a passenger. Yeah, no, your eyes are not deceiving you. He is playing a big role in the penalty kill. They are trying to, as they were trying to get guys going, they've kind of tried to limit who is penalty killing so that they're not playing. I mean, playing who's outside of 25 minutes a night is not a sustainable strategy over the course of the year, and they know that. So it got to a point where they needed to get some traction and played guys like Kuznetsov and Tom Wilson a lot on the penalty kill early because they were some of the guys who were the best at it. The Where they run into trouble is that Wilson and Kuznetsov have also taken a lot of the penalties so far. So, and Spencer made a funny joke about that the other day. He said something like, you know, we try to rotate four forwards pretty consistently on the kill, but when Kuzi takes penalties, then it's five forwards with like a smirk on his face. So that was funny. <laughs> yeah. I think he had two stick penalties in the game. One of the games this weekend. Um, yeah, I think it was the Minnesota game. He had two yes. stick penalties. So they yeah. were not thrilled about that. No, no, they never, you know, I feel like if it's with the body, the coaching staff is always a bit more forgiving. Um, 
you know, Ovechkin's obviously, I was getting a little concerned about Ovi after the first, you know, handful of games this season. Um, even though the assists were there, the goal, the goals weren't, we're now eight games in, he's got eight points plus three. Um, obviously his, his shots, his shot total in, was it, I, it must've been the, uh, in the Toronto game was just through the charts or off the charts. Amazing. I mean, what, what are your kind of thoughts on Ovechkin? Do you, do you think he's kind of, do you think the goals are going to start flowing a little bit easier for him? Um, obviously he, he's been a big part of this kind of turnaround over the last handful of games. Yeah, I think they definitely will. His line is working really, really well right now with Strom and Tom Wilson. They have been the best line over the last few games. And basically, as soon as they were put back together, started to create more. Um, Ovi's sh- shooting percentage is also, I want to say, around like 5% right now. And it's early in the season. You know, you never know quite how that's going to go. But obviously, we believe that Alexander Ovechkin is a better than 5% shooter and has yeah. certainly been that for all of his career. So I would expect to see the tides turn on that, just like for Kuznetsov as well. He's shooting uh, like four and a half right now. So the law of averages says the pucks are going to start to go in for them. And Ovi's certainly getting plenty of shots. I think he had like eight or nine shot attempts again last night against San Jose. He's also making a lot of really dangerous passes right now. He's setting up Strom for a lot of goals. He's setting up Tom Wilson. So it makes him a more dynamic player overall, which eventually will also make it easier for him to score goals when the team they're playing has to respect his passing as well. Definitely. Now, what are, what are your kind of thoughts on uh, the, the the new look power play? I mean, obviously they... It looked like they were creating a lot of good looks to start the year, but it wasn't getting into the back of the net. Uh, Ovi scored the power play goal against Toronto. What, what are you seeing from the power play now? Yeah, I think the San Jose game was a really good example of what they're trying to do. They are introducing a lot more wrinkles and a lot more motion and a lot more new concepts. So it's taking them time to integrate those fully. You can't install that over the course of training camp, especially when you have different guys playing in every preseason game, like your top unit power play isn't playing every game together like they are in the regular season. So it's still taking them a couple weeks of the actual season to fully grasp everything they're doing, get the full level of the system installed. But you saw against San Jose, it wasn't just... Kuznetsov, Oshi, and Dylan Strom, who has come onto the top unit in place of Nicholas Backstrom moving, which they've been doing a lot of in the first few games, those three kind of on the right side of the ice and at the net front were moving around a lot. San Jose, you finally saw Carlson and Ovechkin also get involved in the motion. I mean, there was one point where Ovi was rolled all the way out to the other side of the ice coming down the slot closer to the right circle and basically took a shot from the right circle on the power play, which never happens. So that was an example of the motion they're trying to create and the things they're trying to do as far as getting the other team moving. Cause as Spencer has said, those power plays played together for the better part of a decade, basically ever since Oshi was traded here. And when you've played together for the better part of a decade, not only do they have reads that are really well ingrained in what they're trying to do, but every team they're playing knows exactly what all of their reads are as well. So they have tweaked the personnel a little bit by putting Dylan Strom on there, rewarding him for the way he's played so far and the connection he has with um, Ovi, but also just trying to get them to make some different reads, think about the way they're doing it on the power play a little bit differently so that the other teams aren't just sitting in front of Ovi's spot, the full power play. And that's the only thing they need to worry about taking away because they're not going to create anything anywhere else. Yeah, I, I think that it's been really great to see the additional movement within the power play because it was getting a little stale, right? We were seeing the, it was always those same looks that they've been going for. Um, I mean, it's great when you're always trying to, but when you're always trying to force the puck into the OV spot, I mean, the goalie's cheating, every everyone's cheating over there pretty hard. So um, the, the movement, I think, has been the biggest difference because I remember a couple of years ago going back and you kind of, back when the Capitals and the Penguins were the top two power plays in the league, um, they did it just so differently. Washington was much more a puck movement power play, and Pittsburgh was a much more 
skater movement power play. Obviously, they move the puck too, but there was just so much more activity among their skater group. Um, so it's kind of interesting to see Washington kind of really mix it up and play differently than they have in the past. Um, w- one player that's kind of stood out to me is Connor McMichael, a guy that uh, the fan base, you know, everyone had an opinion on last year, felt like a guy who could not catch a break um, under the last coaching staff. I think he's looked good. Uh, I think the way that he plays has been uh, kind of refreshing, and the Capitals are at at kind of the the point of the team's life cycle where they need these young players to come in and play a a key role. What are your kind of thoughts on Connor McMichael and the team's other uh, younger players? Yeah, it's been cool for me to watch him with sort of fresh eyes because I certainly had – an impression of who he was as a player coming in here and having kind of followed Washington's training camps from afar the last couple of years, it sort of felt like he would come into camp with a spot, not written in ink or anything, but, you know, they wanted him to make the team if he proved that he was going to make the team. And then certainly last training camp, like a year ago, he really struggled with that and did not grab the opportunity that they gave to him, made the opening at roster, but was a scratch and ended up in Hershey for the whole season. And it's just been a complete 180. He was excellent during training camp, made it very clear that he came in here almost playing like he knew he had a spot on team, even though I know they hadn't guaranteed him anything, but the way he was playing was like, I'm an NHL player. I'm here to stay. Like, let's go do this. It wasn't like, I still have to, you know, make a huge jump in my game. It was just like, this is what I'm doing. This is here who I am. Like I'm on the team and his confidence levels through the roof. I do think it's helped him a lot to be reunited with Spencer Carberry, who he had a very good season with in Hershey a few years ago, his first year pro Carberry believes in him a lot as a player and they have a good connection. They are playing him on the wing right now, though today in practice, he took some reps at center. Carberry was non-committal about whether that's a plan for this week or just, you know, getting him in there on a day where they're not getting immediately ready for a game so that he keeps those center touches sharp. But he's adapted to his role in the wing really well. He's winning his battles on the wall. He's making plays in the middle of the ice. He has two goals this year, arguably could have six or seven with yeah. some of the that have been created for him and some of the shots that he's had. So it's been very cool to see the confidence he's playing with. And it just seems like he's playing a really mature game right now. He's penalty killing here, which I think surpri- would surprise people based on you know, what they've seen from the last couple of years, but he penalty killed a lot in Hershey last season. And he's jumped right into that role here as well. Yeah. He's really, it's, it's been great to kind of see his development and see him kind of grab hold of that spot. Now to go a complete 180 and talk about the old guys. Um, we already talked about Ovechkin. We can touch on John Carlson a little bit, but TJ Oshie and Nicholas Backstrom are both having very slow starts to the year. Both of them only with one assist through eight games. Um, I think there's certainly some concern that this, you know, obviously with, with Backstrom's recent injury problems uh, and, and Oshie himself has had tons of injuries that, that these two guys might be nearing kind of the end of their real top six utility minutes. What, what are you kind of, what are you seeing when you, when you watch Oshie and Backstrom right now? Yeah, I mean, I think what you said about them nearing the end of their top six utility is true. And I don't think any, even if they were playing at the top level that they could right now, which they're not, they've both had a tough start to the year. But I think even if they were maxing out what they could get, they still are nearing the end of their top six utility, which is a natural life cycle for a player at their ages. But you're right. They have definitely struggled. I at this point, I'm more concerned about Oshi than I am about Backstrom. Neither of them have been great, but Backstrom for me has been relatively neutral, which isn't ideal, but for a third line center can work. And he's had some chances. I mean, in the San Jose game the other night, he arguably should have scored a goal and his stick exploded on him as he was taking the shot. So he's had a lot of chances. I was playing around with the NHL edge analytics a few days ago. So probably missing the Minnesota and San Jose data. But before that, Backstrom led the team in high danger shots. He had a ton of shots from right around the slot and 
was creating a lot. And I think that was partially due to his usage on the first power play. Um, but Oshie, for me, he certainly had chances as well and arguably is due for a goal or two at this point. But when you watch him handle the puck, it just doesn't look quite right. Like, as you watch him skate around out there, Backstrom, for me, looks much better than I kind of expected him to. He The skating is not something I'm that worried about at this point, especially given where he's come from and the work he's done to get back to like a reasonable level. But Oshie, it's like something just doesn't look quite right. And I will admit that I haven't watched the player a ton over the last couple of years, other than when the Caps were playing the Blue Jackets. So I don't quite know like how this compares to what he was last year, though people have told me that he was, when he was healthy last year, one of the Caps better players, which is makes the drop off this year more concerning, given that he came in saying that he felt really good. The procedure he had on his back at the end of last season felt like, fixed the issues and he didn't think he had any concerns or anything. And that may well be true. Like, I don't think he looks like he's playing in pain or anything. He was hitting guys. Like he's doing all of that sort of thing. We all saw him stand up Adam Fantelli in the preseason, but there's just something about the way he's handling the puck right now that just doesn't look like it's quite clicking. And it's hard to know if that's something that will click as he maybe gets a little bit of puck luck and things start to go in, or if that's like an aging curve related drop off. Yeah, it felt like even Ovechkin, though, like when we were talking earlier about, you know, his first few games of the year, to me, it looked like he was mishandling the puck a bunch. So ho- hopefully it is just a just a phase thing for 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 Oshie and he can kind of get that touch back. But it is uh, I mean, they gave him a big deal when they re-signed Oshie, obviously, um, but it's got to hope he's able to turn around a little bit here. Um, like kind of changing gear to another older guy now, hard, hard to kind of as long as I've watched the team to think of John Carlson as an old guy now, but um, Carlson's been playing, been playing well. He's up to seven points this year, um, six assists. What are your thoughts on, on Carlson? I mean, he, the Capitals obviously lean on him a lot um, defensively. Do you think he's kind of playing his part? Yeah, I think he is. I think now that they've gotten him back with Martin Farivari, that's going a lot better from a defensive standpoint. I really love the Sandine and Carlson pair, and I understand why Carberry went to it in the beginning to see what they had there. And you saw even against San Jose Sunday night, like a couple offensive zone draws, he threw those two out there to have a full offensive unit on the ice. So it's certainly an option that they'll go to, but they've kind of settled back down to put Farivari and Carlson together and then Sandine with Trevor Van Riemsdyk. And that has stabilized things a lot for them defensively. Like you can draw a pretty clear line between when they shifted those D pairs and when they've started to play better defensively as a team. And that obviously a lot comes from John Carlson because he's playing so many minutes and is such the backbone of this team's defense. For me, the caps really go like if Carlson and Kuznetsov are playing well, that usually means the team is going to play well. So Carlson's a huge part of what they do. He's been good on the power play though. I think he's still getting his touch back a little bit with his passes to Ovi. I feel like Ovi has been, sending the puck back to him quite a bit when normally he will just rip those every time. So they're still, you know, finding their touch a little bit there, which it's only seven, eight games into the season. That's to be expected. But I've been really impressed with what Carlson has done so far this year. Yeah, I, I think you're you're definitely making a good point though. You have seen Ovechkin kind of send that puck back more than you probably would expect, but um, it, it's, it's, it is great to see, see Carlson playing well, um, you know, at, it feels like he's just such a big part of this team and kind of how he goes, the team will go right now. Um, I, I don't really have a, a bunch else on, on, on any of these specific players. So if you got a couple minutes now, I, I'd love to kind of, we, we talked about this when it was just us talking last time. We didn't keep it going in the podcast. We'd already cut it. So I was wondering if you'd kind of talk a little bit about what you've kind of taken from your soccer coverage into how you cover hockey and kind of what sort of, what kind of parallels you've seen. And if that's kind of been a, you know, just your general thoughts on that. Well, that's a good question. Cause I was thinking about that recently, like 
at the time that we talked at that point, I had just finished covering soccer and hadn't covered hockey like intensely in a couple of months. Yeah. So now that I'm back fully entrenched in the hockey, I'm thinking about the soccer less, but I do like, I think about it in the way more of like the parallels I see between the way Carberry interacts with the media and the way he discusses his philosophies and the way that the soccer coach I was covering in Columbus, Wilfried Nancy did. Like they're both very good at explaining what they want their team. And they're both very stringent believers in the way that their teams play. Like for both of them, the way their teams play is a very entrenched system that they believe really strongly in. And they're not like, if it's not working, they're just going to keep working harder at, teaching the players what they need to be doing because they believe so strongly that it will work as opposed to some coaches who might be like, okay, this isn't working. Like let's change up what we're asking of them. So I see a lot of that in Spencer. And I think that's what this team needs right now as they're kind of learning under him. Like if he gave up on what he was asking of them because it didn't work in the first few games, I don't think they would be sitting here right now four, three and one, eight games into the year. So I think about that a lot with the two of them that kind of conviction. I mean, it must also be hard too, as a younger coach, even after coming off of a Calder cup, win, if you, you know, if you kind of just quickly pivoted kind of off of what you wanted to do with your team, it might be kind of hard to instill that belief in your players. If, if, if you don't have that sort of strong conviction in yourself and your uh, tactical ideals. Oh yeah, absolutely. I don't think I mean, he's the youngest coach in the league. He's only a few years older than Ovi and some of the older guys. Like if he, folded on his ideas quickly, I think they would very quickly lose respect for him. And what you see in the conversations I've had with them is that they have a ton of respect for him and the way that he does his job and the things that he believes in on the ice. Do you see any any kind of – the last time the Capitals had a coach straight out of the AHL, it was Bruce Boudreaux, who obviously did, did some great things with, with, with the squad. I mean, what are your kind of – do you kind of see – is there something nice about having that first-time NHL head coach? Is he kind of – do you feel like a bit less – of that old boys club kind of mentality that you get with a lot of these recycled NHL coaches. Absolutely. And I think you can see a lot of what he took out of his time in Toronto as an assistant coach there the last couple of years. Yeah. Like he learned, he's told me he learned a lot about, you know, the way Toronto uses analytics and maybe he's not as fully deep into it as they are, but he certainly has a very, very modern view of the game. Like even yesterday before the San Jose game, he was asked like hits on average or something like 10 across the board below per game, what they were last year. And he was asked, like, is physicality not an emphasis for you guys? And he was like, well, for me, hits aren't the kind of physicality necessarily that I'm looking for. Like, there are guys on this team, Beck Malenstein, Tom Wilson, that need to finish their checks. And their job, it, part of their job is to be hitting people. But also for a coach like Carberry, who wants his team to have possession, when you're hitting guys, you don't have the puck. Yeah. So he would rather have see the physicality in his team of the way they close out in the defensive zone, the way they box out in front of the net, both offensively and defensively, the way they close their gaps off the rush. Like for him, that's physicality. And I think that's a very modern view of the game. Yeah. I like that. Um, you know, you're talking about the analytics stuff and you already mentioned NHL edge. What were your kind of first thoughts when the NHL put out that data? Um, my first thought is that I'm hopeful that it will get better. Like, certainly there's some interesting stuff, but I don't know. And if they're also at the mercy a little bit of what they've agreed to with the union and what they yeah. can share. But so like, I don't know that bur speed burst over 22 miles an hour is like a stat that tells you <laughs> anything. Like, yes. sometimes Kuznetsov's really high up in that. And I'm like, part of me is like, okay, but when are those bursts coming? Like, is he just having to chase the puck because they're trying to get over so much? Like, yeah. what? It, what? when is he going fast? Like, what does that actually tell you? So there's a lot of that to this, but I certainly think some of it is interesting. The shot location data is yeah. nice to have in one place, 
like to be able to just call up any player's shot map and see where they're taking the majority of their shots from, I think will potentially be useful. There's some other parts of it that I'm less sure about. Like, I don't know that average shot speed tells you a lot because not every shot is created equal. Like you're not shooting a wrister in front of the net with the same speed that you are a slap shot from the point. And I don't know that it's valuable to compare like those two apples to apples. So there's certainly a lot of nuance that I'm kind of still seeking and hoping they're going to come up with. I know that they've said like, this is just version one and they're already working on improving it. So I'm optimistic about where it might be able to go. But as of right now, like it's a fun tool to play around with, but I don't know that any of the stats at this point really tell you a whole lot. Yeah, that's kind of what I felt too. But I, I, I did think it was cool they put something out. It was certainly the stuff that, like back in the day, I'd really hope they would have put out more stuff like that. I mean, it was cool even just having that they, you know, even though they, it is kind of crazy that they won't show you what your team's possession numbers are if they're below 50th percentile or whatever it was doing in there. But I, I did find it cool that those were the kind of stats they were really putting up now to show kind of where the team is spending the majority of their time during the game, which I, which I thought was was cool and a nice thing for them to add in. But. Yeah, I think that's a good one. That one for me is a little tougher because it's also not – like you can look at it five on five, but I think the stat – the base level that what – comes up when you click on it is all strengths yeah so like if you're looking at a player that has way above average offensive zone time like that's probably a player that plays on the power play like they didn't give you a lot lot of nuance in the base level of the way they've rolled it out and i'm hopeful that as they improve it there will be tools that let you see a little bit more of the actual detail but then again i also don't know what the players have agreed to like i'm sure the bottom 50 percentile thing has to do with the fact that the didn't want you to be able to see who is the 800th fastest skater in the league. <laughs> yeah, I had a feeling that might have had something to do with it. I, I thought at least at the team level they would have been able to give you something, but it was uh, it, it was certainly cool to see it come out and to see that the NHL is trying to be a bit more, you know, give more data. I mean, it's obviously not like the NBA where you can see everything and anything that's happened, or you know, another soccer's got all that too. At least I, I don't I don't know if the MLS has the same kind of data that you get in. Uh, you know, the Premier League, but just just so much that you can look at in terms of of tracking and and build up play. Yeah, MLS is getting there. They certainly the teams all have it. It's less publicly available, a little bit similar to the NHL where the teams all have all of this stuff. And I'm grateful that Spencer Carberry, like if he needs to, will use the analytics that they have to make a point on something. So we at least get a little bit of a glimpse of what they're working like he'll bring it up in his answers and stuff so i'm glad otherwise we would have no idea what was going on behind the scenes um but yeah certainly hoping that the nhl takes some steps (laughs) all right bailey well thank you so much for your time today it was it was great to to catch up and uh you know talk about how the caps have turned the season around yeah thanks so much for having me this was great all right on behalf of myself and bailey johnson thanks for joining this episode of japers rink radio Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.